Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? This is Catfish on Ice, episode 163, Rivalry Edition. It is a Monday, and the National Predators will be taking on the St. Louis Blues for the second meeting of the season. So we've got a really special guest joining us. That is Mason Vander Hayden, better known as BFR, who's been on the podcast before. He covers the St. Louis Blues for Toasted Tavern, a St. Louis sports podcast. I know he just recently moved to St. Louis. Mason, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing very well. How about yourself, Chad? Uh, man, you know what? All things considered, with two of our crappy teams right now that we're about to talk about, life's pretty good. Life's pretty good. There we go. Can't we'll just, ta- we'll just take that part out. <laughs> Heck yeah. I can, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm pretty not, not most people know I live in St. Louis now. I'm pretty close to Nashville and these days I'm going to come down for a game. I cannot believe you have not been to a Preds game yet down in Bridgestone Arena. We got to get you there soon, man. Oh, heck yeah. That's going to happen. And I can promise you, you will not be alone. Blues fans, well, I don't know about this season. We're about to get into it because it's been a rocky season, but Blues fans travel very, very well to Nashville Predators games. I can promise mm-hmm. you that. Oh, for sure. All my friends have been. I seem to be the only person in my social circle that hasn't. So we'll get you there, man. We will get you there. All right. So (laughs) this is Rivalry Edition, episode 163, as I said, brought to you by DraftKings, promo code THPN. And we are, of course, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, We are going to dive right into what in the hell is wrong with both the Preds and the Blues. (laughs) What a loaded question. (laughs) Because I will tell you that both teams are drastically underperforming. Both teams teams have very pissed off fan bases right now. So this should be fun. We are going to look over the entire Central Division a little bit. Who's standing out? We're going to preview this matchup coming up later today. We are recording this on Monday morning. And the Preds and the Blues are meeting for the second time this season later today in St. Louis. So we're going to preview that matchup. Talk about some impact players from both, both teams. What did that first matchup look like way back in October? How have the teams changed since then, maybe? And, yeah, going to have fun. Then later in this episode, I will be getting into the huge news about Ellie Tolvanen hitting the waivers by the Predators. Fans are really pissed off about that. No one saw – well, I can't say that no one saw it coming. No one saw him going to waivers. I I have been saying this since last season. I'm not trying to – toot my own horn here, but since last season, I've been saying that Ellie Tolvanen is a wasted talent on this team, and the Preds need to trade him and get whatever they can out of him. Well, instead of just getting something out of him, they said, you know what, we're going give to give an early Christmas gift to somebody this year, and we're going to gift someone with a young, talented scorer who was just in the wrong system, and he could blossom into a 20-plus goal scorer on the right team. So I will talk about that to round out this episode. Do you know you anything know about Ellie Tolvanen? 
I uh, do indeed, actually. I have one small piece of input to put on that. The Blues did the exact same thing this year with Clem Costin. Clem okay. Costin was not necessarily a wasted talent, but somebody that never really found a fit here. Young player, obviously. Um, but Blues fans, you know, weren't very happy with him. So he's like, hey, you know, trade him, see what you can get out of him. They yeah. put him on waivers. The Blues fans are like, well, wait, what the heck is this? Why, why, yeah. why is this guy going on waivers? Well, he ended up clearing, which surprised a lot of people, and then he was traded right afterwards. So I think what might happen here is the Predators are putting uh, him on waivers so that he can automatically be designated to the minors so that his value is up when they trade. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to clear, wasted. man. We'll see. I don't think he'll clear. Yeah, it might not, I, but I, if I'm, does, I'm what, If we get news on that as we're recording here, then we will definitely. I'll definitely bring it up. But um, well, yeah. For sure, uh, he is. That information has not been released yet, but we'll find out today. I don't think he'll clear personally. He has too high of a ceiling, and his skill set is something that a young, rebuilding team would love to have. Um, I'm, I'm thinking teams like the Arizona Coyotes. I'm thinking teams like that who are just way down there to pick first on the waiver wire. I could see them going after a Tolvanen just to help boost their rebuild a little bit. But we will see. All right, let's get into it here. First question right off the bat. Let me just say this first, and then I'm going to ask you the same question. And you got you're gonna have to think right on your feet here. All right, Mason. Got it. I'm this is what this is what I compare. I love making weird comparisons to certain things. I compare <laughs> the Preds to the old saying that C's get degrees. And okay. like because the Preds are a very average team. They might make the playoffs. That's all well and good, but they're still such an average team. So I, I call them the, – it's like C's get degrees. You know, everyone says, oh, as long as I get C's, I'll still get my degree. That's what I call the Preds. They just – they they're just so average that it's painful to watch. They might be even worse than average this year. So wh- what would you compare the St. Louis Blues to? What, what do you think they are this year? Um, whatever the opposite of better late than never is. Okay. Uh, and the reason that I say that is because we've had a lot of comparisons for people who aren't into, you know, blues hockey. People like Dom Decision, for instance, they will say things like, oh, you know, the, you can never count the St. Louis Blues out. I mean, they're always just roller coaster. <laughs> Excuse me. They're always just such a roller coaster of a team. You never know where they stand. They could go, re- they could do really bad at the beginning and then shoot up. Look what happened in 20, their championship year, for instance. They were bottom of the barrel and they come back and they become like the hottest team in the league and they just annihilate everyone in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. I look at the 2019 team and I go, man. Once this team gels, they could be good because look at just all the raw talent on this roster. And not only is it raw talent, it's young raw talent too. Very few, you know, very few players on that team were, you know, in their upper to low, upper 20s, low 30s kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone was like 25, 26, 27. Everyone was entering their prime. They were all doing it at the same time and the second everybody gelled once the new year came this guy's just went on a tearing streak i look at this blues team and i go what I, I look at this year's blues team and i go what talent i look at this team and i go what which players haven't gelled what there's no chance that you know pavel buchnevich after already a full season here hasn't gelled well with everybody Right, here's one of the Blues' most consistent players that they've had in a very, very long time. Yeah, right. I look at players like uh, Brandon Sod, for instance. 
he's gelled just fine, I think, with Ryan O'Reilly. I think he's had a very good season. I think his tenure as a Blues has been fantastic. I, I, I can't. Look, I, look I can't. At I can't. Sports new players, and I'm I like, can't, what do you I mean they're fig- not gelling? Yeah, I can't figure out for the life of me why you all are as bad as you are right now. And so I think everyone from the outside looking in, as you mentioned, we're just waiting for a, for the switch to be flipped. And you already kind of did it this year. Didn't you win like seven in a row? And we, everyone, yeah. I was thinking, okay, the Blues are back. They, like, they, got, they got whatever it was out of their system, and they're back. They went the string seven in a row, and now you're right back to this really ugly losing streak once again. All right, so here's, it, what, here, here's what's pissing me off about the Blues right now. If you're bad, just stay bad. That's that's what I got to say, right? <laughs> if you're bad, just be bad. All right, I would not be mad if you don't show us. First, I was at the game last night. That was a Ooh. shit experience in general. Yeah. But I went to the game last night, and Brandon Saad scores the most beautiful shorthanded goal I've ever seen in person in my entire life, right? It puts the Blues up 2-1, and they look phenomenal. It's just like, wow, this team is excellent. And even in the first period, I thought, hey, they skated with Colorado didn't come out very strong, but at least the Blues skated with them stride for stride. This game should be 2-0 at the end of the first for the Avalanche, right, in any other circumstance. So the fact that it's 0-0, the shots were only like 10-9 at that point. It's like the Blues are like doing very well against this defending Stanley Cup champion team. They're a very good team team right so they're doing that they skated with them in the first second period they fall a little bit flat but i don't think they did bad at all it was still only one nothing after two right i think that they played very well and then the blues hard work is rewarded tarasenko gets a power play goal the blues are tied and then they just stop playing hockey for the rest of the game and it just pissed me off sounds like another team it's like are you it's like if you're bad be bad. Don't give. Don't skate stride for stride with the Avalanche for forty minutes in a game, and then just stop. Just quit once you tie the game. That pisses me off more than anything else because that yeah. means that you are good. You're just not showing it. And I, I can't be mediocre, Chad. I can't wait fifty years again, Chad. I can't uh, do it. Blues fans can't do it. We're yeah. so damn sick of being mediocre. Mediocre. We're sick yeah. of it. Okay, I cannot well, leave. I want my I've already seen my cup. I can't complain that much. I want my kids to see a cup one day. I'm not convinced that they will. Wow. Well, um, you know, so I read an article two days ago from the uh let's see, the St. Louis Post Dispatch, and they they put out a pretty damning article go, kind of surrounding what you're talking about about effort and how you not playing the full 60 minutes, missing that culture that you had in 2019 when you won the cup and a lot of really good quotes here from some of your leaders on the team. Just basically they're looking themselves in the mirror. It seems like, and saying it's on us. We're not playing with that effort that we should be. And we can't figure out why I'm seeing from like Braden Shen chimed in on this article uh, some really, but you know, what I can't figure out is yes, you're a different team from 2019, but you still have your core players from that team. You still have Vladimir Tarasenko seems to be heating up though. Is he not? right now uh he's doing all right he's I not the, he might not I, be the same superstar that he used to be but he had a very, very slow start to the season yeah but he's sort of picked it up so when i look late. at when I, I don't know he's not a piece i really concerned i'm really concerned about but to go to your point about you know they're saying oh you know we just got to play for each other we you know we just got to play as a team you know there's the they're, they've been repeating the same damn line and, 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 and the preds say the same thing and the nothing preds, has been working if you're the, not yeah. you know, they say oh we just got to play for each other when are you gonna do it 
When are and, we going to start playing for each other? All right? team, I've heard it like a hundred times. When are we going to actually do it now? And every losing team is going to say that type of cookie cutter responses. Of course, the Preds have been saying that as well. Their favorite word to use is identity. We got to get back to our identity, <laughs> Ident- identity this, identity that. Okay, well, whatever the hell your identity is, it ain't working. Uh, that's what I've been saying. But um, let's let's get back into previewing today's matchup here. I think this is a, um, a crapshoot of a game. I would not bet on this game to save my life, even though we are presented by DraftKings. Uh, all of our listeners pick a different game to bet on. Uh, I'm not touching this game, no sir. Because it's such a toss-up. And then even Money Puck uh, is calling this a very close game in their preview. They're giving the St. Louis Blues a 51.3% chance to win. So that's pretty much <laughs> what a right in the middle. Um, both teams not with Pavlovich Davidge out, no way. Both teams have really, really dire playoff hopes right now according to the money puck uh the preds mm-hmm. have like a 15 percent chance the blues have like around a 12 percent chance they're saying if the blues lose today their chances will drop to seven percent if the preds lose today their chances will drop to like 12 percent. which i know that's just all math math and people love to look at that stuff but it is interesting because <laughs> you're talking about two teams that are normally right in the thick of the playoff race and right now their their playoff hopes look pretty ugly. It's kind of funny. I I think we were talking about this last episode, but I can't remember a time where the Blues and Preds were like just far cries in how good they were. It's either the Blues and Preds are like at the top of their division or they're like at the bottom and struggling to make the playoffs like they are right now. And there's yeah. very, there's no in between. I think last year was probably the farthest apart these two teams have been for a while. Yeah, well, the, so the last time these teams met were was October 27th, very early in the season. Uh, at the time, I thought it was a really impressive win for the Predators. They won 6-2, to two, a very misleading final score, though, because the Blues were actually winning that game 2-1 to one in the second period. And um, we just took advantage of Thomas Grice. Are we playing him today again? Because uh, that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I'd Benning- imagine Bennington played last night. I'd, I'd imagine that since so, it's like half of a back-to-back. Thomas Grice got roasted for five goals in the first meeting. Uh, Soros- you want to know, know the stupidest thing, Chad? Grice hasn't even been that bad. I'm just going to say it. Well, like, I the mean, goaltending defense- has not been – the goaltending has by far been not – if there is one thing that the Blues issue isn't, it's the goaltending. And that's a really stupid thing because right. you're used to Bennington and Grice. You you hear what you know on NHL tonight if you watch that. I know a lot of viewers do. That they were watching NHL tonight. And like, oh, look, the Blues got five goals scored on him again. They had a streak of eight straight games where they allowed three goals in a period. And this was during like part of their winning streak kind of thing. They would allow three goals in a single period of a game for eight straight games. And that's unacceptable. But you look at these Blues, you're like, wow, they, they got five goals scored against them today. They got six goals scored against them today. They got four and just all these high numbers. And they can't score. First off, they can't score their way out of those problems anymore. But the other thing is you're like, oh, man, their goaltending must suck. Dom Decision just made another article about it. He's like an analytics nerd. I love yeah. analytics nerds. I, I love Dom. And <laughs> 
you know, I, I love looking at the game from that kind of analytical. They crunch lens. the numbers, man. They crunch the numbers. Crunching for it, sure. yeah. I love looking at that. But he looks at it and he goes, "Wow, the goaltending just must suck." And I got to say, nah, I'm watching this team. Well, I watched this team. I couldn't believe when I I couldn't believe when I saw this. So I was looking at penalty kill here. The Preds are they were doing well in this category for a while, but now they've slumped back to 20th in the league. The Blues are dead last dead in the last. NHL in penalty kill. What do you think is the reason for that? Why why is a team that I think is such a prototypical blue collar hardworking team how could they be i would expect them to be in the top 10 in both power play and penalty kill like usually teams like the blues are they're just really good on special teams and it's just not the case this year for the blues okay this is where we get into some hot take territory as a blues commentator who's you know off and on on shows and such here's where i make the argument that the biggest okay i'll ask you first okay who do you think the blues biggest loss in the offseason was this year i would have to say it was i thought it sucked that y'all lost uh huso for sure that was a that was an unfortunate one because i think he's better than bennington so you essentially lost your yeah we kind of knew that one we kind of knew that one was okay well then yeah you got to answer it for me then. Who is How about it? David Perron? Most people oh, yeah, play David Perron. Yeah, on that yeah, they went to the Red Wings. Yeah, that was. In a fact, tough about about if you ask Blues fans, about ninety percent of them will say David Perron. I'm going to be in maybe the one percent of Blues fans who say I think the Blues' biggest loss in the offseason was Jim Montgomery. Oh, okay. Jim Montgomery was the spearhead of the penalty kill and power play. And look where those were in the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. They were top of the league, especially the PK. You saw yeah. Dallas in 2019. Their penalty kill was the best in the league in that year, you know? And that's because Jim Montgomery was on the bench. He was the head coach. He's just, he's got the special teams touch that very so few Mason, coaches have. Mason, your penalty kill is about to get a boost today because the, the Preds have one of the worst power plays in the league. So something's got to give, right? Something's got to give today. So I, I got that circled, that that matchup right there, the worst power play going up against the worst penalty kill. Something's got to give because uh, I expect both teams to commit a lot of penalties. This is going to be a very uh, hard-hitting, uh, nasty game. You know the Preds love to fight. You know they love to get under the other team's skin. They're a ticked-off team right now. The Blues are as well. So I see a lot of penalties. I see some extracurricular activities going on. I see a parade to the penalty box for both teams. Which which one of those slumping special teams units breaks out in this game? The Blues penalty kill or the Preds power play? Blue, Preds power play. And the reason I say that is because the Blues just got off of a demoralizing, just absolutely demoralizing loss to the Avs last night. Yeah, that's that's a tough way They're to turn gonna around. Be done. That's a really yeah. tough turnaround. They scored it. Also, the penalty kill last night was perfect, better than perfect. They had a shorthanded goal, right? I think but, that's pretty good when you do that on the penalty. Yeah, <laughs> but at the same and their power play too. They had a power play goal. It was a four minute, but I mean they still scored a power play goal, right? So that that's got to be worth something. Um, but at the same time, it's just like you know the the blue. What here's the big difference right now? What I see, I haven't watched a whole lot of Preds games this year. I've watched a few, but not too many. What I have noticed is whenever the Predators, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. When the Predators are more, they face a big loss. They they just start hitting everything, right? Oh, for, when, they, yeah. When teams when teams are like beating on the Predators, the Predators will just hit you into the boards, and they'll you know do like little irritating things. You know that's what the Predators do. That's been their identity 
in especially mm-hmm. in the playoffs, but you know, the last five years or so that I really started paying attention to these sort of things. When the blues get demoralized, they just stop hitting. They don't really do anything. They just like dump and then don't even chase. You know, that that's what the blues do. They like go off sides, they ice the puck, they're tape. Oh my god, don't even get started on the passing. You know, it's nothing tape to tape, it's just miserable you know they just stopped playing hockey so they let in their last second tying goal to the avalanche with like seven seconds to go last night and they get scored on 15 seconds in overtime and that so that's what 23 seconds of game time for the game tying and then the game winning goals and for the entirety of those 25 seconds, the blues just looked dead. They just wanted to go home. They were done. To your uh, point about the Preds loving to hit things, uh, that, that still holds true this season. They're seventh in the league right now in hits given. There so they go. do they do lay out the lumber, but you know, that's all but you eventually you gotta score goals here. The Predators are one <laughs> of the <laughs> I mean, that's not breaking news here. The Predators are one of the <laughs> The Predators are one of the lowest scoring teams in the league right now. They are 29. You, you heard it here first, folks. People, play, guys have to score. Yeah, this is such a groundbreaking podcast here. We, we're trying to tell people that you have to score goals to win in the hockey league. All right, um, Preds are 29th right now in the league in goals per game. Pretty basic stat, right? Ooh. Blues are only 23rd, so you got two teams that score under three goals per game. I'm sorry, but in today's NHL, that's not going to cut it. You nope. got to score more than three goals in a game every now and then if you're going to win in this league. So that's another big issue. Uh, we could be in store for another low scoring game. I don't even, like I said, I would not touch this game if I was betting on it because flip a coin, like seriously, uh, because both teams might lay an egg and then it's somebody has to win. So we'll find out who wins. Right. But I could also see both teams coming out extremely fired up for a division rivalry game that both teams desperately need the two points right now. So we could be in store for a tit-for-tat boxing match that could be a a game for the ages. This rivalry has been always so fun to watch. Again, we're being joined by Mason Vander Hayden, who covers the St. Louis Blues for Toasted Tavern Podcast in St. Louis. He has been on the podcast before. We always love bringing him on when we're getting ready to play the Blues in this rivalry episode of episode 163. And so I've got some uh, just some interesting all-time series notes here that I'll put also on the bottom of the screen. For our, Can I for just our, say I love I love being on this Predators podcast. This is the best Predators podcast out there. Oh, you guys picked the right show, thanks, man. I appreciate it, man. Uh, all right, and also to all of our listeners, go check out Toasted Tavern for your St. Louis sports needs, and also check out their episode today. They'll be talking about this Preds game, right? Oh, yeah. They'll be talking yeah. about clips from this show, too. Definitely. So. so we'll go check that out for sure. All right. So some all-time series notes here. The Preds have the third most wins against any opponent against the Blues. Not a big surprise because they've always been division rivals. But I found that interesting. The series is pretty close. Uh, the Preds have 60 wins, 47 losses, four ties, 12 overtime losses for a 55-point percentage. So slight hmm. edge to the Preds in the all-time series. But interestingly enough, the Blues actually own the all-time scoring margin, but it's pretty close, only separated by 24 goals oh. in the scoring. That's a pre- that's pretty wild to play incoming almost 100. 20, incoming 24 nothing loss today. Right. We got to even up that scoring margin there. We got to go, it we gotta go hey, for the This is the night goals. to do it, man. <laughs> All-time at the Enterprise Center in St. Louis, the Preds are 27-28-5 with one tie. Some of the best notable players against the Blues for the Predators. Philip Forsberg has played 33 games, 
against the Blues in his career. 15 goals, 20 assists, the most oh. against – he has had his most success by far personally against the Blues more than any other opponent. Uh, oh. I got to throw this out there. You all have known how to keep Roman Yossi in check historically in his career on the flip side. Roman Yossi, 45 career games against the Blues, only six goals and 22 assists. We're talking about only six goals. <laughs> we're talking about a, an historically point per game, if not a higher than point per game uh, def, uh, defenseman here, and he has not come close to that output in his career against the Blues. So we'll see how that goes. And then UC Saros has also struggled in his career against the Blues. Five six and one career record, point eight eight five save percentage, below ninety. Ooh. That's pretty bad. For and a three point four four goals against average. So Saros has not had great success against the blues, but he's going to probably get the start today. I will say it's not etched in stone that Saros starts. Cause I got to tell you our backup, Kevin Lankinen, who played two years for the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, he he got was, lit up every single time. We not, played him. Hey, he's not, he's having an outstanding backup role year for the predators. He's winning himself a starting job somewhere next year, the way he has started this season. So I would not be surprised if they throw a monkey wrench into things and start Kevin Lincoln in today against the Blues. I'm not. I don't. It hasn't been. It, it hasn't been confirmed yet who's starting in net for either team. But for the Predators, I don't think it's necessarily going to be UC Soros. I'm saying this on record, and this is full BFR jinx territory. Uh, if the Predators start Kevin Lincoln, and you're going to be lit up in eight goals, and I mean it. Like Have the you, Blues, every single time they play Kevin Lincoln, uh, and they destroy him. He's a different Kevin Lankin in BFR. He, Maybe he had, so. He just had to get out of that cesspool that's the Chicago Blackhawks. That's all. That was what was holding him back. He's, if he's, there's one thing that Blues fans or Blues players don't like, it's that isn't Blackhawks players. It's former Blackhawks players. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to see who just starts. Just how that dynamic works. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see who starts. All right. So let's talk about some impact players here uh, for this matchup. Um, for me – I think that Philip Forsberg, who I just mentioned, who's had a pretty good career against he's he's not been horrible this year, but I don't think he's been lived up to his full level of expectations. I I, gotcha. I think he has more left in the tank and another gear he he needs to be kicking it up to. He's had too many games where he's just completely invisible offensively, which is hard to even mention as a as a Predators fan. Like you don't ever think about Philip Forsberg, but. It, that's a big reason why this team is struggling on the power play and struggling to score goals is your top superstars. I'll throw Matt Duchesne into that conversation as well, but I need, I need a takeover style type of game today from Philip Forsberg to wake up this power play. Cause I think the press should be able to get two, three, maybe even four power plays out of this game. They need to connect on one or two of them to, uh, to, to, to take care of business. So Philip Forsberg is my top impact player. Give me one from the blues. Biggest impact player right now has got to be Robert Thomas. Uh, he's one of the obviously one of the Blues' more consistent passers. You know, he's the only one that I can see just making <laughs> a tape to tape pass right now. Oh gosh! Beyond that, uh, you know, I think Jordan Kyra after having a very can I say an extraordinarily horrendous start to the season like blues fans were talking about shipping him like in the first like three weeks he was so bad you know everyone was talking about how terrible that contract is i was like hey, give it time give after it time. after he just fine. after after what he did last season yeah it's mm -hmm. weird to see him struggling like he is yeah he's exploding now he's been one of the blues hottest players in the last you know 
I don't know, three or four weeks now. So um, yeah, I, mean, I think those guy- are, I, I think if I'm going to name an impact player, I got to name that duo because uh, Brew Bay just recently put them on a line together. So, and it's mm-hmm. very rare that you see Thomas and Cairo on a line together. They interesting. Brube likes them split apart. So, uh, it's you know, it'll be interesting to see yeah, Ky- how Kyru, chemistry. Uh, Cairo bursted onto the scene last year with 75 points in just 74 games. Uh, this season, he's still close to a point per game player. Like you said, he's getting hot lately. So, he's getting back to that uh, scoring output that he was at last year. So, um, yeah, I think he'll be fine. That's why I, I know you get annoyed by this, but I still can't bury the Blues completely. I just can't. I know that it's harder for you from the inside looking in to see it that way. But as a from a Predators fan perspective, I can't ever trust the Blues being being uh, <laughs> dead until they're literally buried in the ground. And even then, I'm worried that they're going to go off Frankenstein and crawl out uh-huh. of the dirt, crawl uh-huh. out of the dirt, and start marching Got like a it. zombie. So can we just? <laughs> Can we just make sure that the Blues do not get in the playoffs, lock the door, throw away the key, don't let them in? Because I'm just – they're one of those teams where you let them in the playoffs, then they can do exactly what they did in 2019. It's true. No, it's very true. The Blues are very strange. I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to just butter you up right now, man. I, no, I it's a, no, no, I get you. <laughs> um, believe me, the, the Blues need a lot more buttering up than I do right now. Um, but, no, I, I've just – I've got to say, I'm I'm just so confused at this team. I like I said, if you're bad, just be bad. I'm not gonna be mad if you like play a horrendous rest of the season, as long as you admit that that's your goal, right? If your goal is to be bad, and I can go on a whole tangent about this if you don't mind. If I, go on a tangent, we I love think, tangents. Okay, I have a gripe. Basically, this this is what this is going to come down to. I have a gripe with somebody I listen to who I very much respect, who I listen to every single morning in uh, on in the car ride on the radio, uh, every time I go into work. And that man is named Alex Ferrario and the rest of the 101 ESPN crew. Now, if those of you who aren't like in the Blues, and that's the uh, that's basically like the Blues Cardinals, all the station. yeah, it's basically the flagship. That's the flagship station for the Blues, but it also you know has like cards commentary, all that kind of thing. They have a morning show and everything. It's like great radio station i listen to it all the time even when i didn't live here i had the app i always listened to them uh but they they are making the argument currently that a rebuild's too hard you know they're saying that rebuilding is is way too hard and it's like just because of some of the contracts on the team nah a rebuild would be easy as hell to do right so the first thing you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to start from the top right armstrong's gonna have no problem finding a gm position in the league i'm sure the predators might want someone like him in their front office staff right he's a very much he's very much a win at all costs uh gm which is which is which is a good thing but not when you know you're doing that to the point of detriment meaning that you can't just keep signing flashy contracts in the offseason while the rest of your core is getting older and hoping to be competitive that's not how that works right and the way doug armstrong is he does not he he cannot fathom a rebuilding team that's something that he just he just can't even think of so that's the first place you start he is the second longest tenured gm in the entire national hockey league Right. I think it is behind time David Coyle. To move on. Right. Except- it is time to move on, I think. Right. So what you do is you make Al McKinnis the interim. You just start sh- selling. You just start selling everything. Now, there's no point in firing the coach. Everyone's like, oh, calling for Brubay's head. It's like, what's that going to do? Who, first off, who are you going to replace him with realistically? Mm-hmm. Like, what, 
what's the point? Uh, yeah. the, there's there's no point in firing him. Just the, car, the coaching market. He's made this mess, good. right? There's not a there's not, unless you're going to go get a get a young unproven like AHL type of coach. It's and you're giving them. There's not a lot of good coaches out there right now. Coaching is true. Unless you're going to internally promote, which you know maybe you can go that route. But yeah, there's not if you're going to fire someone, you need to have a plan in place. You can't just fire someone for the sake of firing them. Right. Exactly. Uh, the other thing that the one on ESPN crew likes to pull is they like to say, Oh, you know, the, 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 the no trade, club. like a, no animosity to those folks. Cause I love them. In fact, Alex Friday is a friend of toast the tavern. I have nothing wrong with him. However, when he says that he can't do it because of the contracts and the no trade clauses, that doesn't, that doesn't fly. And the reason that doesn't, is because if the team around them stinks, there's no reason for them. To, the reason they have the NTCs on there is one, obviously to get the contract out, but also because you don't want to leave a team that's like in their prime, right? You don't want to leave a competitive team. And that's what they signed on for. Well, guess what? It's your mess now. It's kind of mean, but like, it's your mess now. The blues suck. Now you're part of that reason. If you want to stick around, I mean, okay. But if you want to find success somewhere else, then you're better off just waving that. And that's what you do. Oh, just got a notification. The Blues have recalled Alexei Torpchenko. Oh, very nice. Oh, okay. Is that is that a good thing for you? Do you like that? Yeah, he's all right. He's a pretty right. good player. He's well, a tall you know, boy. When teams start calling up players at this point in the season, that usually means that uh, you're kind of on life support. And you're trying to shake things up and, and, and pull yourself out of a – out of a disaster. So uh, yeah, he was down. The fact that the, the Blues are doing the fact that the Blues are doing that right now. Uh, the Preds are going to be in that same boat here very soon. All right, we're going to do one more segment here with uh, Mason Vander Hayden uh, covers the Blues. Been on the podcast before on this rivalry episode ahead of Preds and Blues later on this Monday uh, to start the week. All right, we are presented by DraftKings. Hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Pick any game you want, any team you want. If it's a heavy favorite and you think that team's going to beat the underdog, take the favorite, win an easy $150 in free bets. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more with same-game parlays for an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see our show notes below the episode for details. If you need gambling help, have a gambling problem, there are phone numbers and ways that you can find support for that. Promo code THPN, DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, let's take a quick overlook, Mason, of the rest of the Central Division. Let me go ahead and start off with these Dallas Stars. Are they for real? I think they are. Uh, they were a team going into the season that I wasn't sure about, but I knew they had a, some young budding superstars like Jason Robertson and Miro Haskinen, Jake Ottinger and Nett. This team... It checks all the boxes. And then even when you think you're going to beat them, they come storming back. You could be up 3 nothing on this team, and they're going to come back on you. They've already shown it this season. So are you feeling the same way as me about the Dallas Stars? Do you think they're the front runners to win this division? Uh, I think or- they're a dangerous team. Uh, I think they can win the division, absolutely. I think that uh, 
You know, they have a lot of good young pieces. I think that goaltending as, you know, a general issue that has been for them lately has been not necessarily solved, but, you know, it's it's been consistent enough where, you know, they can continue to win hockey games. If the forward core, if the D core are on a bit of a slump, they know the def- the uh, goaltending work can pick up the slack. And that's an important thing if you're a competitive team. You want to know that you can rely on the back end. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, for sure. And then, uh, of course, the Colorado Avalanche, who were the perceived favorites to win the division, they've been dealing with they they've been bit by the injury bug so many times this year. I don't ever want to make excuses for the Avalanche because they're so loaded. But man, if you look at all the core injuries they have had to deal with, they have not been one hundred percent this entire year, and that's so weird to be this early in the season and not have your full complement of players available to you. We know that if the Avalanche are at full strength, they are one of the best teams in the league. So if they end up getting fully healthy for in time for the postseason, they could easily uh, be repeat champions. But as of now, they're a pretty ordinary team because they're having to play so many AHL players. This is true. I remember uh, Teledav- our friends over at Teledavs, it is. They would always tell – they would like – it seems like every single day they would like quote tweet all the practice lineups and they'll be like, all right, half of these names are like EA sports generated names. Like who are these guys? <laughs> EA so uh, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty good. But like I said, they're going to get healthy eventually and they're going to be a force. So um, they're still managing to tread water, even with all these injuries. And that's all they're trying to do right now is tread water until they get some of their best players back. Nathan McKinnon's even out for them right now. So um obviously once they get full strength they're going to be a force once again uh what about the winnipeg jets i thought they were a non-contender maybe the sixth place team in the division they've proven me wrong so far the jets have just figured out ways to get the most out of their top end talent and they've got connor hellebuck who's arguably the best goaltender in the division so um yeah the jets are another team we have to focus on now the uh, the thing about the Jets is I was very high on them last year. I thought that they were going to do way better last year. I think the, the Jets of this year are the team I expected Okay, uh, from, you know, the 2021-22 season. So uh, I'm pretty high on them. I think that, you know, the, the, when I look at the Winnipeg Jets, I look at a team that could roll four lines first off. I look at a team that has, you know, the players that can score. I see a team that has extremely consistent goaltending and some of the best playoff goaltending that, you know, you'll see around the league. And I say to you, you know what? Some people can be down on these guys. You can put them at, you know, 80, 20 odds to lose a series and they could easily push it to seven. That's what I see with the Winnipeg Jets. Mm, definitely. And then I, I've been calling, I called it this the last episode. The rest, after you get past those three teams, I just, just call crapshoot. Well, I call it muck. Like, like, <laughs> like if you go into a creek and there's like all this like mud and you can't even see the water through the water really. I just call the rest of the division a very mucky experience, and that's teams like the Minnesota Wild, the Predators, the Blues. They're kind of in the middle of that muck, and we'll, we'll see if one of those three teams can claw their way to a wild card, possibly. But I call it a very mucky division and then of course you got the coyotes and the blackhawks back there which i gotta throw a little bit of love to the coyotes because i'm not saying they're like some playoff team but for a team that everyone thought was going to tank and they're playing in a college arena and they they just have absolutely zero talent on that roster except for a couple decent players here and there they are battling i mean 
they're not nearly as bad as a lot of people thought. They're not an easy out. Uh, the Predators got a firsthand taste of that last week. Had to go to a shootout to take them out, to take the Coyotes out. So um, I got to throw a little love to the Coyotes, even though they're the they're the butt of a lot of j- people's jokes because they're just That's so true. bad. But they're better than the Blackhawks, so I'll give them that. Heck yeah. All, everyone's better than the Blackhawks. It's Blackhawk. always great. All right, man. This has been a lot of fun. Mason Vander Hayden uh, joined us here for ap- episode 163, Rivalry Edition, to get you ready for Preds and Blues. Any last thoughts from you before we uh, let you go here? Um, Not particularly. Just, uh, just if you're bad, stay bad. Okay. Fair enough. So uh, let's let's make sure the Predators give Mason his wish. Let's keep the Blues bad. If you're going to be bad, just stay It'll bad. force him to do something. It'll force him to do something. That's what I'm looking forward to. Force the Blues to do something. What's funny is Predators fans kind of feel the same way about their team. They would rather the Predators just rip it all down and go through a rebuild. They've been saying that for like three years now. And somehow mm-hmm. the Predators are just good enough to bring your hopes up. And then they just get beat in the first round again. So, right. yeah. All right, man. It's been fun. You're always welcome back anytime. We got to get you to Nashville. Let me know if you're going because hey, I will. I will. To, oh, I'm yeah. Down, you're the first person I'll let know. Because, Mason, I'm down here in Florida now, man. I'm right outside of Tampa, and um, I'm, I'm I'm soaking in the Florida sun every day, which um, I'm not complaining. But Is that where you're living now? I live right outside of Tampa now, St. Petersburg, Florida. Why are you Florida. living there? Cause I love. I wanted to get to Florida, man. I wanted to be in the sun every day and be a beach bum for a little bit, man. Oh I want to. I wanted to see what all the hype was about. All right. Well, is it is it living up to your expectations? At <laughs> oh, least? it's fine, man. It's a fun little area. I'm in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is where the Tampa Bay Rays play. It's um, ah, there you go. It's a really fun city, actually. Uh, anyone who's listening, I. It's a very hidden gem in Florida. And if you're going, if you want to go on a Florida vacation, come check out St. Petersburg. A lot of fun. The beaches are awesome. Uh, the people are wonderful. So much to do down here. Come uh, come spend some tourist dollars down here in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. But I was going to say... Um, Make sure you don't be a Lightning fan. Uh, no, I'm not a Lightning fan. For sure. I will say, I will fly up to Nashville for sure if you're going to a Preds Blues game. I'll make sure I make that happen. Hey, heck yeah, that'd be a blast. All right, everyone. Stay tuned for the rest of this episode as I will get more into Ellie Tolvanen heading on waivers for the Predators. If we get any news dropped while we're recording this episode about who claims him, we will, of course, talk about that as well. Thanks, Mason. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay, stick around. We've got more coming for episode 163 of Catfish on Ice. And we're back. This is episode 163 of Catfish on Ice. As we continue through this episode, rivalry edition, the Predators are about to take on the St. Louis Blues later this evening on this Monday. Uh, we were joined by Mason Vander Hayden of Toasted Tavern to give us a St. Louis Blues perspective. We both talked about how our respective teams are just not performing up to the level they should be this season. It was a lot of fun. Thank you to Mason for joining us. Let's wrap up episode 163 with the major news that was announced yesterday, and that was that the Nashville Predators have finally said so long to Ellie Tolvanen. He was sent to waivers on Sunday, and uh, 
it's a little bit of a news dump, if you will, because it was right during NFL Sunday. Everyone's focused on the Tennessee Titans, of course, and they dumped this major news announcement that Ellie Tolvanen is heading to waivers. I will be the first to say that I did not see him going to waivers. I thought that he would have been traded. I've been expecting him to be traded going all the way back towards the end of last season. Go back and find some previous Catfish and Ice episodes from last season and over the offseason, and I brought it up multiple times that I could see Ellie Tolvanen becoming a trade chip if the team does not figure out a way to effectively use him. Well, instead of figuring out something to get from him in return, the Predators have decided we're just going to give a early Christmas gift to whichever team can claim Ellie Tolvanen because his ceiling remains high. I am of the full belief that Ellie Tolvanen was a product of his system and not the true value of what he is by playing with the National Predators. If he ends up on the right team, with the right coach, with the right offensive philosophy, with the right line mates. I know that's a lot of things that have to break, but that's how it works for a lot of hockey players is you got to be in the right situation to really maximize your skill set. The Predators did not do that for Ellie Tolvanen, and Ellie Tolvanen deserves better. I We will wait and see as I'm recording the rest of episode six, 163 right now. We will wait and see if something gets announced on who claims him. We're still waiting to hear from that. Uh, there's a lot of teams out there. I, I think he could be a great fit for a young rebuilding team to claim Ellie Tolvanen. He could be a young player who can come into a team's lineup and get plenty of ice time. He was only getting 1249 of ice time with the Predators. He only played in 13 games this year. Last played on November 19th, so almost a month ago was his last game. Like I said, averaging under 13 minutes of ice time, only two goals and two assists. So it just wasn't working clearly, and uh, the Predators instead have used players like Mark Jankowski. They've used players like Cole Smith, Michael McCarron. They've, they've leaned towards players like that who are the big-bodied physical types of players and not so much the offensive-style players over trying to get Ellie Tolvanen going. We've always said that Tolvanen is, has the tools and the talent to become a dynamic 20-plus goal scorer, make his impact on the power play. When he was drafted back in 2017, it was considered by many draft analysts a huge steal and home run pick by David Poyle in the National Predators front office. And he, he, other than some glimpses here and there of his offensive playmaking ability, it just never worked out in a National Predators uniform. And so now he's on waivers. We'll have to wait and see who get, picks him up. Um, according to Jay Fresh Hockey, who does all the hockey cards and the analytics, Ellie Tolvanen is still a very good player and can be of value to someone. He has a 71% wins above a replacement percentage projected, which is a very high number, higher than I thought he would be. So Jay Fresh shares that interesting stuff there. Here's the thing about Tolvanen. Everyone wants to focus on his offense, but he he became a two-way player. He went through what the Predators wanted him to go through in his development, which was become a more physical, hard-hitting, defensive-style forward. And I thought he did that. In, in Jay Fresh's uh, card here uh, 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 with his defense, an 83% de- defense rating there, uh, 76% finishing ability. So he had some good numbers, according to Jay Fresh. Um, but 
again, the Predators decided we don't have room for you. It's not working out here. So we're just going to lose you for nothing, essentially. And it's it's a tough pill to swallow for sure because I was a big fan of Tolvanen and what he could become on this Predators team. They desperately needed him to evolve into a top six forward. What have we always said? This franchise is snake-bitten when it comes to developing forward talent, effective offensive forward talent. They've always figured out ways to maybe sign one um, from the outside, but when it comes to drafting and developing offensive talent, it has always eluded this franchise. You can say Forsberg is a little bit of an outlier, but even he was not drafted. He was traded for. So where do the Predators go from here? You know, I'm, I'm looking at a lot of the fans, and they're upset. I put some I put some tweets out there yesterday just saying, like, basically, if I could get in that locker room and ask David Poyle some tough questions, I would ask him overall. First question I would definitely ask him is what is the vision of this franchise right now? Because it seems like you're going both both ways here, and it's felt that way f- since 2019 when the Predators got upset by the Dallas Stars in the first round. Ever since then, it's just been downhill, 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 downhill. And I can't figure out what the vision is of this franchise. And then you go back to this past offseason, and David Poyle decided to go all in, by making some very aggressive signings, by getting Ryan McDonough, by getting Nino Niederreiter, by making a couple other signings. He went out and got Kevin Lincoln in, which looks like a pretty good off-season pickup. I will give him that. Uh, But it it gave you the sense of, okay, the Predators are not interested in any kind of rebuild whatsoever. They are in it to win this year. They're trying to build a Stanley Cup contending team. I can respect that. That's what a GM is supposed to do. But at the same time, you're not developing your young talent like you should right now. Philip Tomasino, he's been in the minors all season. Uh, of course, we hope that he does not go down that same path as Ellie Tolvin. Of course, Tomasino is a much different player than Tolvin. Uh, he is more of a center, hopefully, when it all comes down to it. And hopefully, he can break the mold of being a developed offensive talent. The book's not written there yet. So we won't even get into that. But going back to Tolvin in here, yeah, that's what I would ask. What is the long-term plan for this organization? I would love to ask David Poyle that and not get a cookie-cutter response of, oh, we're always competing. We're always trying to win Stanley Cup. Of course you are. But we need I, I need details on what this blueprint is right now because it doesn't make sense for me. It doesn't. And then I would also ask, what is, what is your thoughts on a lot of basically being a, on a national level the Predators are an, are an irrelevant team. They have become an irrelevant team. They have not been a team that anyone thinks about in terms of competing with the top-tier Stanley Cup contending teams. Uh, the, even when they make the playoffs, no one is thinking about the Predators doing anything other than being a first-round participation trophy team. And that's where those banner jokes come from, and I, and I get sick of them. But that's what the Predators are, and they haven't done anything to move the needle to be anything more than that this year, unfortunately, because the results are not on the ice. I thought the Predators became a better team on paper with their offseason, but it's not resulting to the same type of play on the ice. You've got to perform with results here, and the Predators just aren't doing that. So with Ellie Tolvanen now out of the picture, he hasn't played since November 19th anyway. So we already that doesn't really shake up the lineup more than what it already has been lately. All that could do is maybe open up a pathway for Philip Tomasino 
to maybe get back into the Preds lineup. Um, that could be down the road. Tomasino dealt with an injury uh, down in the AHL, missed a bunch of time. So I would lean towards working a way to get Tomasino back into the lineup, but only if he's going to get effective ice time. Don't call him up and give him the same treatment that Ellie Tolvin was getting. He needs to be playing effective minutes, and that's going to be all predicated on what the Predators do in the standings coming up here. As we said, huge critical matchup that we talked about earlier in this episode with Mason against the St. Louis Blues, another team that is a mess and is struggling and not performing up to expectations. You've got two division rivals who are desperate for two points. It's going to be a really ugly and hard-hitting game. Uh, so looking forward to that. But I will say, where, where do the Predators go from here? If, if they continue to slide back into the standings, I know they won seven of nine games, but they're just coming off a really ugly loss to the Senators, one of the bottom teams in the Eastern Conference. They lost three to two. Their offense is still one of the worst in the league, 29th in the league in goals per game. Uh, even in games they win, the Predators struggle badly offensively. So that's another reason why when you see L.A. Tolvanen put on waivers, you're talking about a player who can bring you some offense. And so to see a player like that just shipped away for nothing in return when he has offensive skill sets, that is troubling and that is puzzling for me. Because if you keep rolling with this same lineup, I don't see how this offense gets any better. And you're not going to win a lot of games in the National Hockey League by scoring less than three goals per game and having one of the worst power plays in the league. It's just not a recipe for success. So again, what is this team's long-term plan? Because if these things don't correct themselves, maybe that winning seven of nine was a mirage. Maybe it was like going through the desert and you see that palm tree and you see that oasis and you think, oh my gosh, I'm about to get some water here. And then as you get closer, you realize it was just a trick of your imagination. It was a mirage. Was that what those seven of nine wins were for the Predators? And now we're really about to see a brutal stretch of hockey. Look at this upcoming schedule. They play the St. Louis Blues later today which let's hope that's a win. If you're looking by how bad the St. Louis Blues have been, hopefully you get a win there. You better get a win there. And then look at this next four games. you got to play Edmonton twice in the next four games after that, both at home, which I get why Predators fans are so irate and upset right now. They're selling their tickets. They're saying they're not going to renew their season tickets. They're, they're not showing up to games. I have – not seeing a Bridgestone Arena atmosphere so dead, so quiet, so lifeless than what I have seen recently. The fans are just not energized right now. Even in stretches where they were winning games, it's just this this franchise, this, this fan base is not very fired up right now. So it's not the same home atmosphere that I used to feel like about the Predators. Uh, but they get two games at home against Edmonton. They got to play at Winnipeg who is leading the division tied with the Stars right now. And then you got to play at Colorado. Even though Colorado is not at full strength, it's still going to be a really difficult matchup. So the Predators are going to really have to dig out some really impressive wins over these next five to keep afloat in the division. They're teetering on falling way back or maybe making a charge. All that 7 of 9 did, those 7 wins in 9 games, all that did was keep them above water for a little bit. It kept them treading water. 
they've still got so much to dig out of to really get back into that legitimate conversation of top three in the division, which was what my benchmark was for them before this season started. They got a long ways to go before they meet that expectation that I had for them. So again, Ellie Tolvanen, two waivers. Let me do a quick refresh on the Twitter to see if he has been picked up by anybody. I don't think he has been. Doesn't look like he's been picked up by anyone yet. So um, we will tweet out. We will tweet out later today when that news drops. Um, if you're looking at the teams who might have a chance to pick him up, who are ahead on the waiver wire, I'm thinking about teams like the Anaheim Ducks, the Arizona Coyotes. Those are two teams I'm really thinking about who will jump all over a player like Ellie Tolvanen because you're talking about two teams who know who they are. They're, they're, they're bottom dwellers right now. They're rebuilding their roster. They fully have committed to that with young core talent, especially the Anaheim Ducks. They have a very young core of talent with Trevor Zegers, Mason McTavish. You throw an Ellie Tolvanen in there, in two or three years, that could turn out to be a really, really solid top six, three of your top six with those those three guys there. So I could see him going to the Ducks. I could see him going to the Coyotes. I definitely do not think he's going to clear waivers. He will be taken by somebody. And if he somehow does clear waivers, then suddenly the Predators, they're probably – you know, just hoping and praying he does clear waivers because then all of a sudden they got themselves Tolvin in. They can send him down to the minors maybe for a little bit, and then they got themselves a trade piece eventually. But, again, I don't, I just don't see it happening. So we'll wait and see. That's my initial reaction on Ellie Tolvin going to waivers. Just a really sad day for the front office, honestly. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a swing and a miss for the front office, and it, it's sad that it took this long to, to realize that. But um, just a failed experiment for another player that I will not be surprised if he finds greener pastures somewhere else and he ends up getting his full potential met. And that's just going to be another black eye on this National Predators front office and David Poyle if Tolvin goes somewhere else and flourishes. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. So that's what I got for you. This has been episode 163 of Catfish on Ice with your host, Chad Minton. Thanks for listening. Thank you to Mason for joining us earlier to talk about the Preds and Blues rivalry as these two teams are meeting later today for their second meeting of the season. Two teams that are desperate for two points need to win badly because both teams are really, really having a horrendous start to their season. Thanks, everybody. We will have a new episode just before the Christmas break, so stay tuned for that. Follow us on Twitter at Catfish Ice. Hit subscribe on our YouTube channel below. Comment on the show. Send us tweets. Interact with us. Let's talk Preds hockey. Let's get through this together again. This has been Chad Mitten, your host. We'll see you later on for a new episode. See you.